What we're gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Welcome back. Welcome to Fantasy Island. The Battle of the Network Stars. Hey! Well, I'm not a crook. I work on my hair a long time, and you hit it. He hits my hair. That's it. The Cincinnati Reds win the World Series. Don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. Elvis Presley, the king, died this afternoon in Memphis, Tennessee. Doobie doobie doo, where are you? <laughs> High karate, after shave. Be careful how you use it. Live from High Karate Studios, welcome to Living in the 70s, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1970s. The best that we remember? Gentlemen, thanks for joining tonight. Our pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's my pleasure, too. So, we figured out that we have exhausted the 80s. Like, we have used about every topic known to man. So, this is now living in the 70s. We were kids back then. We have very good recollections of it. So, we are going to, from here on out, we're going to use some of the same topics from living in the 80s. But, you know, it's the 70s now. So, if you are not a fan of the 70s, you may not like this podcast. Or maybe you'll love it. Maybe you will. Who's not a fan of the 70s? I'm, I don't know of anybody that's not a fan of the 70s. So buckle up for the next oh, 52 weeks, 100 episodes, whatever. We're living in the 70s. April Fool's. <laughs> yes, it's April 1st, 2023. And we're dropping this podcast and there's no way we're going to do an entire podcast on the 70s. But, full disclosure, for the next five weeks or so, the month of April, we are going to talk about the 70s. I mean, let's be honest. We grew up then. Mm-hmm. We have great memories of the 70s. There's many times we'll reference, like, 70s people on the podcast. You know, let's just, let's just go for it. We developed in the 70s. We lived in the 80s. But yeah. we should yeah. have a lot of... Good subjects to talk about and have a great time. Yeah, I think it's uh, fine to do a detour for a month and uh, kind of cover some stuff from our childhood. Yeah. The best that we remember. The best that we remember. We don't remember quite as good as we do the 80s, <laughs> but there's a lot that we do remember. So we're going to talk about movies, TV shows, cartoons, commercials, of course the music. The 70s music while not quite as awesome as the 80s music, there was some good stuff. There was some bad stuff, too. We're going to talk about all of it. These podcasts may end up being two or three hours long. I do not know, but they're going to be fun. So as you notice, Pure Energy is not here tonight. Matt is the consummate family man. He's taking his mother-in-law out to dinner for her birthday. So happy birthday, Mama Jill. Hope it is a good one. And next week, we're told he'll be back. But I don't know if we can rely on it. So it may just be the three of us for the next five weeks. I don't know. Minus pure energy. Now, we got to get him in here to talk about the 70s, so we, we have to make that happen. Oh, we have to. We have to. So what we're going to do, our format's going to be a little bit different than it has been on Living in the 80s. Maybe this may carry over. I don't know. But we're going to start off with a little segment we like to call... In the News. 
In the news. Is that what we're calling it? Okay. That's In what we're calling it. Sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, this is where we're each going to go around the table here, and we're going to talk about, could be a significant news event from the 70s. It could be of little to no consequence, but we're going to talk about things that we remember from the 70s, the best we remember it. Kevin, we're going to start with you, and I know you've got a good one you shared with me earlier, so... Yeah, it's 50 years ago this year, um, 1973, was, uh, do you remember the Battle of the Sexes? Yes. Actually, I thought about doing that one myself. Yeah, so uh, Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs in a in a tennis match, man versus woman. And Bobby Riggs uh, was a professional tennis player. He was past his prime at this point, but his... his Boasting was even at his age, he could still beat someone, a woman that was in her prime. So uh, he was actually a former world number one. Yeah, so was I mean, he really? He was, yeah. he was so no he, slouch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he he took on Billie Jean King, and he had this style. He's going to play against her, where he's going to lob it, and you know, kind of get her running around. She ended up turning the tables on him and doing that to him instead. Uh, he was fifty-five; she was twenty-nine. So definitely, uh, he, you know, he was well past his prime. But, uh, yeah, she ended up winning it. Uh, what, 6'2", 6'3", 6'2", something like that. So mm -hmm. she beat him pretty significantly. She kicked his butt, so, yeah, what she, she did. Butt. And that was right around that women's lib movement, you know, burning the brawl kind of stuff. So, was, so uh, women everywhere were, rights. I remember, women everywhere were like, well, we're just as good as men. Well, okay. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny we're having that conversation all over again now, right? We are. Men, men are becoming women and then swimming and, you know, or... <laughs> yes. or, or Playing a sport against a woman, yeah. So it's, it's, it's I kept waiting for the McEnroe Serena kind of match because they were going at it for oh. a while last summer. Hmm. You know, just talking about how that would have been good. How uh, Serena how probably would have beat him at this point. Yeah, at this point, she probably would have. But in his, be in his prime, yes. in his prime, he was one of the best in the world. Yeah, because he was like he, he won Wimbledon, didn't he? Oh yes, yeah, multiple times. So, nice. So, yeah, fifty years ago this year, hard to believe. That is hard. Like like. When you think how we how we have come across this culturally, it's just the whole attitude of the country back then. The whole, and we'll we'll get into that a lot during our conversations in the next few weeks. But a lot of, of things back then were at different levels than they are now. Yeah, back when you could call a woman toots, can't do it anymore. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Those days are long gone. Okay, I can get away with that to my wife. <laughs> and then that's only what she's, you call me? that's only she's in a good mood, <laughs> right? Did that take place in the Astrodome? Uh, yes. Uh, okay, yeah, so I can't remember when was the dome built. Was it about that time? Because that was it's like sixty-nine or seventy. Yeah, yeah so it was relatively that, yeah. new and indoor dome. One of the things I remember, Bobby Riggs, is he had some advertisements. Sugar Daddy. All over. He's he's got this heavy sweat jacket, and he's burning up in there. He's finally like, had to take it oh, off. I gotta take it off. She's running me all over the place. So. <laughs> Sugar Daddy sponsored him so he wore it. I don't have many memories, but I remember that part. <laughs> Sugar Daddy was a 70s phrase. We'll have to talk about 70s phrases. That is true. That would, is, oh. yeah. I never, as a kid, I never really thought of I thought it's sugary. It's a sugary treat. Right, nothing wrong with that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Versus the other name, Sugar Daddy. So the Astrodome uh, opened April 9th, 1965. Oh, it wasn't. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would have guessed 69, 70 well, was, years. Mm -hmm. they, did they call it like the eighth wonder of the world or something? Because I mean, it was like so mm -hmm. cutting edge. 
That's great. And they had invented AstroTurf. Yes. <laughs> Which was just very thin carpeting green. <laughs> <laughs> that you would get ripped to shreds when you fell down on it. Yes. I remember Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. Yes. yes. They played at the Astrodome. They did. And it was like a tie game in the movie. It's a tie game and, and they said, well, it's called because the Astros want to play. So the Astros players and whoever they were playing against, all the fans were like, let them play. Let that. them play. And they ended up finishing it off and they won. And yeah. It's one of many feel-good moments in 70s film. There's a lot of good moments in that. I, you have to tune in next week to find out some more. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So, uh, Mike, what about you? What's your news? Well... Moment? Uh, for me, the 70s was ages 1 through 11, so kind of give you a little perspective of how old I was at that time. But uh, one of the, it's a small news story, but growing up in Northeast Ohio, close to Cleveland, um, being a Cleveland Indians fan, one of the things they were famous for in the 70s wasn't winning, not winning World Series, obviously, because they still haven't won a World Series, um, was 10 Cent Beer Night. Oh, yes. So if you can imagine at this time they were playing in Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which for baseball held, I believe, 72 or 74,000 people. So if you compare that today to, it's no longer Jacobs Field, but Jacobs Field or um, Synergy Field in Cincinnati, I believe they all hold around 38 or 39,000. So almost twice the amount that a typical MLB stadium would hold today. So, but they were only drawing about two to three thousand people a game, and I've been there when there's two or three thousand people. It's it's amazing. Feels empty. It's so empty. So some genius had the great idea of ten cent beer night. Oh man! So does any of you know uh, what kind of beer they were serving that night? Uh, was it Schlitz? That would have been my guess. That is a great guess. Yet we, another. We could do a whole podcast on seventies uh, beers. <clears throat> Past Blue Ribbon. That would be another great guess. It's Stroh's. <laughs> so, for 10 cents, you could go up and get not a maximum for the night, but in one trip, six 12 ounce beers per person. Oh my God. So, goodness. 60 cents will get you good and drunk. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And put that in perspective, in today's prices, 10 cents is equal to 55 cents. So, imagine today having 55 cent beer night. At the stadium. <laughs> that would be Versus, epic. Versus, I'm going to guess, what are we, around 10 bucks for a 12-ouncer now at the stadium? I don't uh, know. Soda's like 7, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, around that I think Pop's about 7, too. <laughs> so, that, that <laughs> night they were playing the uh, Texas Rangers. And the last time they played was in Texas. And there was a big brawl. Fans got involved in it. So, it was already, it was kind of a heated rivalry. So, here you've got kind of some bad blood between the two teams. You've got people drinking up to six beers in a shot here in the stadium. So kind of put the, all that together. They end up drawing about 25,000 people. So they didn't <laughs> sell it out, but they have 25,000 people, wow. you know, 12 times the amount they normally have. So, you know, they're playing. And in the uh, second inning, a lady, middle-aged, motherly-looking lady, runs onto the field and flashes the crowd. <laughs> That's the second inning. The fourth inning, a father and son run onto the field and moon the crowd. Now, remember, nobody's getting arrested back then. Because even the umpires and announcers and players had all been partaking in the 10th right. About an inning later, a guy only wearing a pair of socks 
sprint it onto the field and get this junk dangling. <laughs> junk dangle slid into second base. <laughs> <laughs> at first? I don't know if he went oh, head or boy, feet first. <laughs> yeah, at first, that might be pushing. Oh, that would hurt. <laughs> so, but also what kept, kept happening during the game was the crowd brought their own fireworks. <laughs> So they're throwing cherry bombs into the Texas Ranger dugout. And somehow it actually actually makes it to the bottom of the ninth. It's a tie game. And another fan decides to run onto the field and steal one of the hats off of one of the Rangers outfielders. Well, all of the Rangers players in the dugout see is, you know, their player kind of scuffling with this fan and they think he's being attacked. So the Ranger players go out and start getting into a fight. Of course, their manager's Billy Martin, so he's <laughs> leading the charge out there carrying a baseball bat. He's going to fight the fans. So, anyway, the game ended up being called. The Indians end up having to forfeit the game. <laughs> and that's what happens when you have 10-cent beer night oh. in Cleveland, Ohio. So, and What happened the last time they did it? Had 10-cent beer night. Last time? Yeah, that was the last time. Right? They actually <laughs> had it a month later. Are you serious? They did have it a month later, but they put a lot of stipulations like a limit of two beers per customer for the night. Oh, for the night. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah, keep the crowd a little more. What do they do? They stamp your hand once you buy the beer or something? Well, it's a little unclear, but apparently the people running the beer stands gave up and walked away. People just went out and filled their own cups at some point. So So what what was the date? Of that. It, oh, I didn't give the date. It was June 4th, 1974. <laughs> nice. Now, I know I have seen Homage has a 10 cent beer night. Yes, they have t-shirt. Seen that shirt. It's a good looking shirt. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's funny. <laughs> you know, when we're thinking about things that happened in the 70s, I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. But mm-hmm. like you guys coming up with this, like, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you would never have that they want. Either if you brought fireworks into a stadium now, yeah. you would probably be sent to a federal prison for <laughs> yes. terrorist threat. Right. Guantanamo Bay, or right. you know, you, there's no way. I mean, people were just randomly running onto the field. I mean, I don't know, another sports one. Hopefully, it's not yours. Like Hank Aaron hitting his uh, 714th home run. People are running around the field with the fans are on the field, high fiving him and and putting their arms around. Him. Right? Like, what? Yeah. yeah, times have changed. Yeah, they have. Well, it reminds me. Um, this isn't my moment, but uh, do you remember when they had disco destruction at Comiskey Field? That was my backup. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so what basically happened is it was the end of the disco era. I want to guess it's seventy. It was seventy nine. Seventy nine. Thank you. And uh, the a Chicago DJ, like they they were really promoting it on the station. That you know, come and you know, we are going to blow up these disco albums. It's a rock station, of mm-hmm. course. So they came and put them all on second base, I believe. It was. I was out in the outfield. Okay. Um, you could get into the game for ninety nine cents if you brought an album with you. Ah. Uh-huh. They had no idea if it would be a big event or not. They kind of thought it might kind of suck and maybe only have like four or five thousand people. They actually sold out Comiskey Park. Hmm. So they they were just going to put them in this little container, and they ended up having this ginormous um, container uh, kind of locked up, and they put explosives in it <laughs> and blew up the albums. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> they did it in between games and a doubleheader. All I'm thinking is, how many little pieces mm-hmm. of album are in the outfield now? Just shrapnel just flying <laughs> through the air. Man alive. So, and what ended up happening, I don't know if you know the whole story, but the fans wouldn't leave the field. Harry Carey at the time was the uh, public address announcer or the announcer for the uh, White Sox. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's trying to make light of it, saying, take me out to the ball game. <laughs> All right, everybody back into your seats now. And then, <laughs> nope. They just uh, kept going. I, I remember seeing the, the video of that, and there's like smoke everywhere. Yeah, they, they ended up setting the pile on fire somehow. Yeah. <laughs> did did they cancel the second game, I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's amazing how those promotions end up in a forfeit for the home team. <laughs> Right. Cleveland yeah. says, hold my beer. Watch yeah. this. Yeah, Sparky Anderson was out there arguing that it was not a playable field. There was now holes all over the infield. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, Some guy had attested to saying he had seen a couple having sex behind third base. Oh, <laughs> during, nice. I mean, there was thousands of people on the field. It was, it was like a rock concert. You see this dude talking to his girlfriend. Hey, let's do it right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 70s. Oh, <laughs> uh, so my my news moment's a little more tame. Uh, I want to talk about the blizzard of 1978. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, this hu- this tremendous blizzard went from January 25th to uh, the 27th, and record snowfalls over like the northeastern side of the country into the Midwest, even down even down into the south somewhat. And, uh, I, like my personal memory, I remember waking up and, uh, um, hearing my grandma and grandpa were upstairs. I'm like, what the heck? So apparently like my dad drove over, like as the blizzard was starting Mm -hmm. and picked them up. They lived probably 10 minutes from our house, but their heat was out. Like their power had gone out. So you come to our house and, and, you know, hang out there so here in my grandma like my grandpa didn't want to leave like oh, i'll turn back on and it'll be okay and uh i come upstairs I'm like what's going on my dad's like well there's no school today <laughs> i'm like why i look out the window they had like this um like this two-story like house that we lived in upstairs where the living room was and the snow drift was up the side of the house yeah and one thing i vividly remember was a couple of days later as it was thawing. Uh, my dad had like this little Mazda car that he drove back and forth to work, not the family station wagon, mm-hmm. this little orange Mazda. And this guy's going down the street and he's had this pickup truck and he had a chain. So he was wrapping it around cars and pulling them, pulling them out so they mm-hmm. can get back on the street. And, uh, he was, I don't know, charging 10 bucks or whatever his charge was. And he wrapped around the this Mazda, and he, he goes, and he, he's driving away, and the back bumper <laughs> flew off. And so he went, he, he stood out, he, he looked on the ground, he picked up his bumper and the chain, gave my dad his money back, put the bumper in the back of the truck, and just drove on. <laughs> so, so hopefully he made enough money to fix his bumper. So, But yeah, I... I know you guys have got to remember this. Oh, absolutely remember. I remember my stepfather getting on the roof and shoveling the roof off because, mm. you know, with that much weight, there was a little bit of concern of, uh, you know, the roof collapsing. So by the time he was done, 
the snow pile was as high as the roof. Mm-hmm. We didn't go out our front door for weeks because <laughs> it was <laughs> blocked by snow. We always had to go through the garage. But I just remember that being a really cool sledding winter. All that extra snow. <laughs> yeah. Dad had built the hill. We were already we already lived at the top of the hill, but him dumping that off just kind of gave us this launching pad and everything. It was pretty wow. cool. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we we lost power, so uh, I remember waking up. My dad said, "Hey, we're going to go over to the neighbor's house. They had a fireplace, and we had no power." So uh, <laughs> it was early morning. He put me headfirst into a sleeping a bag. snow drift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> snow drift. Uh, so I was hanging out on my feet, and I had no slippers. I don't know why I had slippers, but I, I think the only pair of slippers I've ever had. And some and I socks. I don't remember Bobby Brady. <laughs> so. At some point, carrying me from our house to the neighbor's house, my slipper fell off. And they didn't find it until spring <laughs> when it finally thought what it was Kevin's there, so. foot's like black. <laughs> it's frozen. It's frosted. So we lived out in the country, and we had a, a snow plow come down and try to plow the road. And all it did was just push the, the snow up, and we ended up having like this 10-foot drift in front of our house. So oh, my. No way to leave the house, or at least the, the easier way. We had to take the long way. So um, I remember Beth and Sharon, Neil, mm-hmm. uh, Roger, Roger and Roger Sharon, and Neil, Sharon. Yeah. yeah, Beth was our daughter. Um, they came and got us and took us to their house, and we stayed there for, I can't remember, probably a, a week, and you know, I remember them boiling water by the fireplace, and that's kind of what we used to wash our bodies with and stuff, because just everybody was out of power, and it was, uh, wow. it was, it was quite a, I we missed so much school that winter that we had to go to school in the I'd be very summer. curious how much did we actually miss. I mean, I, I mean, well over a week, obviously, but... Yeah, we, we had to go... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we had to go to school on Saturdays in the summer for really? a few weeks. I, I remember, that. like, back then, because, like, Kevin went to Taze Valley Schools. Mm-hmm. I went to Southwestern City Schools. That probably, like, they actually... The two, two school districts actually bump up against each other. So they're not really that far apart, probably 15 minutes apart. But Kevin was definitely out in the country in the rural area so they didn't get like you know they didn't have the city streets and the snow plows and stuff so no. so it was it was probably a week before that we were out of school but it seemed like every single time it snowed Taze Valley always had school had yeah. had uh, we, we snow would get days much quicker I was than like man why couldn't we have lived out there <laughs> jeez my life would have been forever changed but yeah i remember uh when you talk about being out of school I'm, my friend jim fournier lived like behind us and like that next street over so like we we were like every day just had, we had a blast out playing in the snow or in the house i think we were mostly in the house because i don't think our parents let us get out too much because the snow drifting was so bad yeah but uh, yeah, those were those were like great times. Like those are forever etched in our memories. I'm sure the people back then, the adults were probably a little panicked. Like I gotta miss yeah. work. At the time it was a hassle, <laughs> but yeah. now you look back on it, it's like that's quite a quite a memory, right? I mean, to was... see pictures now, yeah, not pictures, 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 because that's what photographs are. Yes, they are. <laughs> it, it's amazing. At the time, as a kid, we didn't get out beyond our house, so you really right. didn't see the devastation on the highways and the cars. You know, that were stranded on the yeah. highway and just, you know, the roads that were plowed and there's walls on both sides of the road, seven, eight feet deep. I mean, it's insane. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. So that's our first installment of In the News.
was a good one. That was a very good one. That could be a whole podcast. Way to bring, way to bring your A game. Yeah, now, where's this energy when we're doing living in the 80s? Matt's usually here sucking it out of us. That's true, because <laughs> he sucks out pure energy. <laughs> That's right. So, all right, we're going to take a brief break here, and we come back. We're going to talk about some of our favorite TV shows of the 70s. It feels weird saying that. Wow. It's a little dirty. It does feel dirty, like we're cheating on the 80s. <laughs> but we're not. All right, hang tight. We're going to be right back. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Spotify for Podcasters for providing this platform, as well as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out on our website at livingin80s.us and our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Most of all, we want to thank you for listening. Welcome back to Living in the 70s. Here we are at High Karate Studios. <laughs> with Kevin and Snowball playing the hits or talking about TV shows, whatever. Maybe a disco ball. A disco ball. <laughs> disco ball. I wanted a disco ball. I didn't have one. My church had a disco ball. <laughs> they were like, yes, they did. Let's praise Jesus and dance to disco music. They used it to create the illusion of stars around the... Uh, he sounds like Sanctuary. Doug Henning. Illusion. <laughs> Illusion. Oh, man. Never I know mind the, the baptistry the... with the spotlights that would change oh, colors. Man. In the name of the Father. Boom. <laughs> and the Son. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. Wow. <laughs> I know it, it, it a Delray, we didn't have that. No. no we just had a standard baptismal. <laughs> wow. He went to like rock and roll church or something. <laughs> I wouldn't call it rock and roll. <laughs> so I I remember it, the skating rink, they had a huge disco ball there, and that was just epic. Shining them lights on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I but thought we, I was John Travolta. But we did have Bob Larson. Did, oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, yeah. Bob wanna, Larson. Yeah, we'll, we'll, He's another topic for another day. Really, there he is. Uh, so we're going to talk about, like, in the 70s, like, we talk about living in the 80s a lot. And in that time frame, like, we start talking about TV. We remember some of it. Like, we're teenagers, so we didn't watch as much because we're out having fun. In the 70s, our fun was watching TV. Yeah. Like, especially in the evenings. You can't go outside anymore. But there's a lot of daytime TV that we watch. So we're going to cover as much of it as we can today. So we're going to... I mean, are we really the first true TV generation? I think the 50s had to be. You think so? Well, no, you may be right, because in the 50s and 60s, I would say not every household had TVs. I think in the 70s, just about every home, mm-hmm. remember our pastor didn't have a TV, remember that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he just he didn't want one in his house, but um, the like just about every, they're the only people I knew that did not have a TV. So yeah, we might be the mm-hmm. first true TV generation, you're right. How many TVs did you guys have? We had Two. We had one black and white TV. And I remember when 
Brady Bunch would come on and say, in color. I kept thinking it was going to change the color, but we had a black and white TV. It did not change the color. And we had one color in the living room, and then in my parents' bedroom, they had a small black and white. Wow. We had a we had a color one, and then there's a big console one. So for, for that time, it was a nice TV. Uh, I remember we bought it when my dad's income tax return came, like, they always would do a purchase, like we're going to buy furniture this year, we're going to buy a TV. So that one year it was a, this nice TV. And then we had a small black and white one that was in my mom and dad's room, which eventually they gave to me because they weren't watching it a whole lot like they thought they were going to. So I was, uh, wow. Read that out. Okay, first. so in, uh, in the 1970s, a good 21-inch console color television might cost you as much as $500. In today's money, that would be thirty three hundred dollars. That's a lot. That's a lot. I of mean, money. we're spending yeah. the same amounts a day for a fifty-something <laughs> inch flat screen TV as we did this giant four hundred pound twenty-one yeah. inch. And boy, those were heavy. Because I, I remember back in those days, you know, you're moving, you're helping people move, and all TVs were super heavy yeah. back then. It's like you better work out and you better lift right, or you're gonna throw something out. Right. That's crazy. So, as we were talking about, we're this generation raised on TV, and to us, some of the TV shows were great. Today, you go back and watch them, they may look a little dated, but I did this thing uh, about a year or so ago where I was watching first episodes, like the first episode of Good Times, of the oh, Jeffersons, okay. of the Happy Days, all of that kind of stuff, and it was, it was pretty neat. It's very nostalgic. I don't know if I would have sat and binge-watched every episode of the Jeffersons, but, you know, what I watched was good. Mm-hmm. Let's go around the table here and talk about some of the, the key TV shows that we remember. Okay. So, Mike, let's start with you. Oh, yes. We'll uh, whip around this way. Okay. Well, this was also my favorite show as a child. To watch it today, the first couple of seasons hold my attention, but it's one of those you wonder, did you just, did they become part of your family? Some of these sitcom families, you know, back in the day that, you just continued to watch the story progress and just derail, but yet we we continued watching it for 10, 11 seasons, and that's kind of the case with this show. It's Happy Days. Happy Days started as a sitcom in 1974, and it ran through 1984. The series originally began as a segment on ABC's uh, Love American Style. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe Love American Style for those uh, who Love American it? Style, where there were short stories each week, and they were based on people falling in love, maybe getting married, like the typical sitcom formula of the 70s. There may be some misunderstandings. Every episode was something different. You could definitely tell that that show had this... It was the 70s, so they couldn't do too much on TV, but they kind of alluded to maybe swinging... And, uh, you know, some misunderstandings that way, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you're out sleeping with this woman. No, we're out buying shoes for How many Happy shows birthday. were based on misunderstandings? About Seven all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, all of them yes. were. <laughs> um, so, like I said, it started out on, uh, on Love American Style. And based upon that short segment, George Lucas discovered... Well, Ron Howard, who we also know as Opie Taylor, mm-hmm. and cast him in the 1973 film American Graffiti. 
And once American Graffiti came out and had great success, then ABC started taking a look at, once again at Happy Days as a potential show. Yeah. You know, it, the Love American style was just a pilot. They really didn't think much of it. They didn't think that wholesome family would still really work. And, but after American Graffiti, they decided to give it a shot. Um, so basically, the show Happy Days is set in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the 1950s. Um, the beginning of the show, the series revolved around um, teenager Richie Cunningham, who was Ron Howard, and his friends and his family. Um, but after a couple of seasons, the ratings really started to dip. And so they kind of retooled the show, and they made it more of a comedy, and they started to focus more on a character named Arthur Fonzarelli. The Fonz. The guy Fonzie. we know as the Fonz, or Fonzie. Also Rob's nickname. <laughs> My grandchildren call me Papa Fonzie. The show initially centered around the experiences and dilemmas of an innocent teenager. So as I look back at the show, like I said, today when I watch it, I really enjoy the first three seasons. Mm -hmm. After those three seasons and the characters kind of grown up and they're getting ready to go into college, they kind of take some liberties. We get the phrase, jumping the shark mm -hmm. from oh, this yes. show, which is, you know, in reference to uh, them going out to Hollywood and Fonzie uh, making a bet with somebody and jumping over a sh encaged shark. 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 Yeah. yeah. Shark. <laughs> On water skis. On water skis, yes. With oh. his with his leather jacket on. He was on. Okay, I see. I remember that he was, he did on his motorcycle. So he actually well, jumped. The motorcycle was the trash cans. Yes. He jumped fourteen oh. trash cans with his motorcycle. Now that was must see TV. That like, was. Oh, that because, was huge. Because it was a two part episode. So basically, Fonzie is on this national TV show with his motorcycle jumping these trash cans, and the end of the episode is him in mid air above the trash can. How many trash cans did he jump? Fourteen. Good job. Because he said thirteen I, was unlucky. Right? There you go. Yeah. And, it, and I remember talking to my friends like, I don't think he's gonna make it. it looks like the front of the bikes. Is <laughs> Everyone think he was gonna die. Because yeah. Fonzie week, dies. Like, that's he dies. And it's like, well, that's it. In the you know? yeah, if I remember right, it was on the show. You wanted to see it or something like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Where he had. Huh. Yeah. Was it written by Little Richie Cunningham in Milwaukee, yeah, yeah. Wisconsin? Yes, wrote the letter to the TV show. <laughs> and yeah. Well, so, so the next week he lands, and then he's got a little too much speed going, so he crashes into Arnold's chicken stand. Boom, yes. Arnold would be Mr. Miyagi. Yes, Ooh, he was. Pat Morita. So, I'm sorry. No, Continue. you're great. That's that was my show. favorite show. <laughs> no, it was my favorite show, too. You know, my favorite episode, actually, would be the season two Christmas episode. Ah. Uh, who's coming to Christmas, where... You know, Fonzie's supposed to go to his cousin's big Christmas in Waukesha. Yes. And uh, throughout the day, you know, the Cunningham family keeps delaying him. You know, the first there's something wrong with their car because he's a mechanic, so he fixes their car. And then there's something wrong with their Santa Claus. And he ends up missing his bus to Waukesha, which really wasn't true. So he got to spend Christmas Eve with the Cunningham family. The show has also had uh, quite a few spinoffs. Uh, Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. Mork and Mindy, and Joni loves Chachi. Two out of three of those really mm. did well. <laughs> yes, they did. I could not wait. Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock, mm -hmm. Channel 6, that's when Happy Days came on. That was like 
what I built my week around in, in TV viewing. Because every night, you know you're going to be home. And that's that's the, the one night that I had to be home and had to watch And that. in the 70s and in, even into the 80s, you worked around that TV schedule, Rouse. You were going to have to wait until reruns in the summertime. That's yeah. right. So back back to jumping the shark. When he so mm-hmm. in, in case you're you're listening, and a lot of times we assume people know what we're talking about. The term jumping the shark is what happens on a TV show when it goes from good to to bad. Like yeah, they, they've like, added an extra character. Or, yeah, you know, there's some kind some, of you mess with the original formula somehow. Somebody gets killed. Somebody news brought in a bigger star trying to revamp yeah. the show. You know, it's on its way out, and you're trying to get one more life out of it. And you can tell there are definite things in TV shows you can tell in desperation. They're trying to do it. And when Fonzie jumped the shark, that's kind of when Happy Days jumped the shark. Yeah. Like, okay. it's From then on, it was, it, was. it was downhill. Yeah. Right? It was downhill. yeah, they were constantly retooling the cast. I mean, you know, they started sending Ted McGinley is on there. Well, well the death of a sitcom. Yeah, if, if you want, if you want your sitcom to go bad, Ted McGinley is going to be part of your cast, and you will in your you're on borrowed time. You know, Mr. Miyagi left the show. They brought in Arnold, not Arnold, Al. But Al. Al wasn't so bad. Al was a good guy. He, yeah, he, we he liked was, Al. He was no Arnold. No, he wasn't. He was. And there was Pinky Tuscadero and Leather Tuscadero. So they were just constantly bringing in Scott Bayo got more time. They all had to have like their phrase or their saying. Wah wah wah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid. A. Right. A. No, that wasn't. A was not. Oh, well, that was a great one. I'm just saying everybody had their line. Oh, they yeah. did. What, right. what was Richie's? I yeah, found my thrill. Well, oh yeah, he did that. Yowza. Yowza. But, but he always sing Blueberry Hill too yeah. when he's going out on a date. Mm. Oh, that was funny. But but uh, yeah, that show was was great. I I just I loved that show. And I'm with you. The first few seasons were the best. I think about the time they went to college. Is about the t- like maybe the first year they were in college. I think it was still okay, but they remodeled Arnold's and made it look like nicer. Mm-hmm. Like ah no, and then the characters stopped wearing their hair fifties style. Like like Ralph almost had a mullet. It's like <laughs> come on man. So all kinds of things bad, but in its prime that that was my favorite. Okay. So for characters, who's who? Well, I'm the Fonz for sure, <laughs> and we know who Ralph Mouth is. Matt. Matt. <laughs> so would that make Kevin? You, Kevin's potsy. Then that makes you uh, Richie. There we go. Because that is, I changed. We have a uh, group text, and that is now our group text picture. It is for the Mavericks cast. Oh gosh. So there's my show. Nice, Kevin. What about you, buddy? Um, when my sister and I were younger, so this would have been about eight. She was nine. Um, we were allowed to stay up. One night a week, one of us could stay up one night and another another night, and we would pick whatever show. Way you know. too much madness for you both at once. Yeah, it was too much craziness. So, so we kind of got that special. You know, I could stay up till ten or whatever it was, and so I stayed up on the night when SWAT was on. This was a TV show based on uh, this fictitious SWAT team, and uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the the stars of the show. See if any of these names sound familiar. Steve Forrest. Yeah. You might recognize. Okay, you'll know this one. Robert Urich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rod Perry. No. Mark Shera. No. James Coleman. No. Those are the five SWAT guys. And, uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, they were 
I, so I found this a few years ago. The, it was just it was only two seasons. It, was, it didn't last for very long, but I love the show. And they've, they've got it on TV now. They've, they've revamped the SWAT Well, it's been show. on for like five or six years now. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, the one thing I love, they had a great theme song. It was like actually on the, the charts back in the 70s. And a few of the guest stars he had, Farrah Fawcett, Donna Mills, Susan Day, and Lonnie Anderson. So they would kind That's of, like four hotties right, right. there. So there was like a Mount Rushmore. They needed to add one more. <laughs> they did. And, but they would come in for like an episode and, you know, of course, interested in them. And, you know, so they'd have to save them or who, whatever the case was maybe. But SWAT was like a great show. I, I loved it. And so and then, of course, since then it's become a movie. And now, like I said, a TV show now. So I, I watched the, the TV show. Shamar Moore is the big star in it. And, uh, it's really good. I mean, the storyline's good. Characters are good. I like it. But it's I definitely a, remember the my dad would always watch SWAT, so I remember we got to watch it. I started to watch the newer one, um, and it's like it's darker than it was, you know, yeah. back then. It was a little bit more lighthearted. I mean, it was still serious, but a little more lighthearted back in the seventies than it is now. How about you, Rob? So mine would have been Happy Days, mm -hmm. but instead, I'm going to go like my next favorite show would have been Welcome Back, Cotter. Great show. Love mm -hmm. that show. Okay, Gabe Kaplan was a stand-up comedian. They gave him his own TV show. He, he is this teacher in Brooklyn at James Buchanan High School. That's right. And he has a group of kids that are, I don't know how you put them, they weren't the smartest kids in school. Mm -hmm. So they all end up in this class. Kind of seemed like the delinquents. Probably. Yeah, kind of like probably the more delinquents. Didn't really care to be in school. Zero yeah. effort. And they were known as the Sweat Hawks. Well, uh, Mr. Cotter was a sweat hog himself in the younger years. When he which would have been a great, that'd be a great reboot. You reboot Welcome Back Cotter, taking place in the 60s as him being a sweat hog. ABC, there you go. You're welcome. You want to reboot everything, reboot that. <laughs> sweat hogs, our main characters were Juan Epstein, Arnold Horshack, Freddie Boom Boom Washington, and of course, Vinnie Barbarino, John Travolta. This is where he got his big start. This is this is what catapulted him into Saturday Night Fever. It wasn't the boy in the plastic bubble and that launched him. <laughs> no, it didn't. In spite of boy in the plastic bubble, <laughs> he got the Welcome Back Cotter gig. And uh, so the show lasted from 1975 until 1979. So a true 70s treasure. Hmm. Uh, no 80s. It didn't make it that long. So after the uh, after the TV schedule in 1979 it was gone but i look forward to this show every week i remember being in the fourth grade and my teacher's name was mr conway who looked a lot like mr cotter he oh. had the mustache he had glasses but he had the had the big thick you know porn star mustache mm -hmm. i loved that show it was uh it was very entertaining for me i think i, I probably annoyed my parents maybe doing the horseshack laugh a little too much <laughs> there was the horseshack laugh there were the the comments, like the put-downs, they oh, say. Yeah. Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> yeah, get off my case, tomato face. It's like, it was like, oh, that's a good one, it was like yeah. these corny lines, but I love the theme song of this one, too. This oh, one. yeah. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. John Sebastian from Loving Spoonfuls, who actually sung that. Song. Okay. Yeah, and it's... It's a that's a great theme. Song. And she really, really, as you heard, if you paid any attention to our opening theme this week, 
there's a little quote from that song in it. So, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's I love that theme song. That's it just fits that. It really kind of wraps up the whole premise of that show right there. Oh yeah, you know, he he's went back to where he was like a nobody and a troublemaker, and now he's back there trying to help kids that he was like. It's just kind of a, a neat story. It is. Um, and have you ever have you seen Gabe Kaplan recently? Yeah, there's more mustache. Sometimes I'll be watching uh, a poker tournament or whatever on TV. Like, so, you know, sometimes I'll have those like recorded poker tournaments out in Vegas mm-hmm. or whatever. And he'll be playing and doesn't look that much different now than he did mm-hmm. back then. He just he's aged really well and uh, he didn't have the mustache anymore. I, you can't remember. Yeah, it's like how can he lose? That was his trademark. Yeah, he may not have, but he looks. I mean, it, where it's like, yeah, there's Gabe Cap, but I can definitely tell. Oh, and do you remember the other thing? The show would always end with him telling like a really corny joke yes. about his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is his wife? Marcia Strassman. Okay. Okay. And I didn't look at my computer. I remembered that. That that, that, that is, character name was recall. Julie. Julie. Okay. Julie Cotter. Yes. yes. Yeah. He would always. Be and they had twins too. later. Yes, they did. Yeah, it's kind of when they jumped the shark yeah, with like the having twins. In there. Yes. Yeah. My favorite character was actually the old vice principal, Mr. Woodman. Yes. <laughs> Just the old grumpy. Very underrated. Yeah. He was the principal back when um, Mr. Cotter was a student, and he always saw him as that same kind of student. Now, was it was it Mr. Woodman like the teacher back then? Was and he it became maybe? the the. And could the principal, the vice principal? You know later. that could be. Maybe he was his teacher, and now yeah. he become the. Principal. So he just sees him once a sweat hog, always a sweat hog. Yeah. Got her. Yeah, he was just a really gruff, grumpy old man. Yeah, he played that part great. Yes, he did. So, Mike, back to you. Is it back to me already? Back to you, man. Dang. All right. Well, this show wasn't a primetime show. It was a Sunday afternoon show. Oh. It was part of Why World of Sports, <laughs> the superstars. Oh, yes. The Superstars. The Superstars was a show where you brought athletes from all these different sports and you put them in a variety of sort of athletic competitions. They had weightlifting. They had a bicycle race. Um, I don't remember if it was a quarter mile or a mile, a sprint. But it always finished the show off with the obstacle course with this 10-foot high wall. You had to clear the wall, hit a tackling sled do the tires go over a high jump leap over the water and then hurdles at the end um a lot of famous athletes competed on there one of the most famous athletes who was the 1975 champion was oj simpson Mm. wow yeah so i just enjoyed the show because you know you get the opportunity to see athletes out of their normal environment competing against winning one another to see who were the best athletes. And today, I don't know if it would work or not, but back then, these guys needed money in the off season. They did. <laughs> they know? didn't have these multi-million dollar contracts. Right. Like they didn't really need to have like second jobs. But you know, you, they get a gig like this. Okay, tell their agent I'm taking it. I remember Johnny Bench competing on there, and Johnny Bench was not a fast man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it was a good show. It was entertaining for its day. You go back and watch it now. It's kind of slow paced and. You know, everything. But it was just cool as a kid to get to see your favorite athletes in a different environment. I, I don't remember that show. Really? I do. I, I remember. Yeah, it was on ABC. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think it was like one of those, like, between, like, after football season was over, you know, there's nothing on. The filler. So, yeah, <laughs> like, ABC probably didn't have the NBA contract. 
you know, baseball was Monday night. Baseball is the only network baseball, and so it's probably like that time frame. Off season for a lot of athletes, and, and see if it, yeah, you know, clicks. But I, I, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't visualize it. So that sounds interesting. Yeah, that's good. Kevin, oh, you guys are gonna remember this one. Uh, the six million dollar man. I love yes. the six million dollar man. Chin, 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 chin. Yeah, <laughs> I had to do everything in slow mo. That's on. right. <laughs> Uh, this is, I had an action figure of this, uh, I, in fact, it's, I still have this, um, somewhere at home. It's, you know, with the little... With the it, eye in the back. Uh, you can look, look through, but it actually looked like, yes. looking through binoculars backwards. Like everything yes. was super far away. Really far, that's And, true. uh, you could, he had a, like, a little red jumpsuit, and if you roll, roll up the sleeve, sleeve and roll up the skin. The bionic arm, the bionic yes. Arm. Little disc that gets put in there. Yeah. And, uh, he had some kind of, did he have a... Kick or something? I can't. I mean, there's some other. There was some other. His both his legs were bionic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's why he ran so fast. So if you just made one bionic leg, he'd have been hopping along. He'd run in a circle, <laughs> dragging the other one along. So the premise of Six Million Dollar Man is he's he's an astronaut who's doing this experiment, has this horrific crash, he's pretty much dead. Um, they put these bionic parts in him to bring him back to life. You know, um, the bionic arm, uh, the legs, the eye. Um, and it was, it was played by Lee Majors. Yep. Um, Husband of who? Farrah Fawcett. Yes. Had it going on. Who was did. his brother? Uh, it's all those bionic parts. Who was his brother? I don't know who his brother was. You really know who his brother was? Johnny Majors? He was a uh, the head coach at Pitt? I did. I mean, I know of Johnny Majors. That's I, didn't, his... I didn't know they were brothers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, I didn't know. The more oh. you know. Yeah. See, these are facts you're not going to hear in any other podcast in the world this week. Are these dad facts? No, these are things I knew as a child. Wow. We, we went to... Uh, I remember we, him being on the sidelines. And, oh, yeah, that's his brother. Well. <laughs> we were in. Uh, we were on a vacation earlier this year, and we were in the Griffith Observatory in L.A., and some dad was explaining to these kids that were walking by about something with the planets, about how something was moving or whatever. And our and our daughter said, what, "What was that? What was that? You know, what was he talking to those kids about?" And Diana went, "Oh, he was just giving them some dad facts." <laughs> I said, "I've never heard dad facts before, but it's like that's what dads did before Google came along. Yeah. Kid asked questions, dad just made up an answer, and yeah. that was a dad fact. The kids, right. believe, the kids are all, you know, he's telling us like, oh, okay, you know, like, Kids grew up as an adult still believing these facts as kids and getting right. in fights over just right. because dad made up some bullcrap on the floor. Right, exactly. You believed in your entire life. <laughs> So, yeah, so Six Million Dollar Man, uh, I remember, you remember when he, like, fought Bigfoot or whatever? Yeah, was, like, Andre so, the Giant is that was Bigfoot. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> you had to get somebody big enough. Yeah, you're right. That was just, I just thought that was amazing. Like, so why was he bionic? What did he do with those special powers? Fought crime. Yeah, he become, he was kind of like an, I don't want to say undercover agent, but he was, like, working with some other branch. Was a, those, yeah, he was a secret agent for the Office government. of Scientific Intelligence. Wow. And he reported a Oscar Goldman. Yes, Oscar. I didn't like Oscar. I remember seeing a tabloid as a kid. The things you remember and why. <laughs> Supposedly, in real life, the guy that played Oscar had the hots for the bionic woman. <laughs> I'm thinking, there's no way she's going to go she out. She ain't giving him time of day, Lindsay Wagner. Could get any man she wanted. Yeah, she, she ain't going to go for young Oscar. Young. She was. Oscar Goldman. So speaking of which, uh, Bionic Woman yeah, spun, spun off of the $6 million off, yeah. man. Uh, she had a parachute accident. Yes, she did. And so she, she always she, had some like 
would have flashbacks. She, to she had the, like super hearing. Yeah, she had the super hearing. That's of course legs. Yeah, she ran fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I um, think I think I think she could lift things too, couldn't she? She's pretty powerful. Oh, uh, I, I think I so. I can't remember. I remember one time she was a teacher, right? I don't know what she I, did I, for I, her career. I feel like she was a teacher because one time uh, a kid had run up the, the chalkboard and erased everything, and so she turned it around. She was a professional tennis player. Oh yeah. In yeah. the character. Oh, really? Yes. One time she had to write everything down on the board, and she wrote it real fast, and there was a big pile of chalk on the floor, because <laughs> she had written it so fast, she would roll the chalk, and turn it back around so I could... It happens to me all the time. Oh, Every so time I use chalk. So the reality is that show jumped the shark every week, but we loved it, it. In its pilot, it jumped the shark. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you know what? They had a they had something that was working. Might as well see if they can capitalize. And they did. I mean, well, we got $6 million man. Let's have a woman. That's, yeah, know. let's have a woman version. $6 million, that's not that much anymore. Yeah. And I remember the first time a, a, a player got paid something close that they referred to him as a $6 million man because he had a $6 million contract. Now it's like they've blown way past that. Oh, I mean, gosh. Right, they get that in an inning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, actually, it seems kind of like a bargain rate. Right? That'd be like $39 million today, which to me really still doesn't seem like that much. Yeah. I'll take it. I mean, Think of a trip to the just hospital of what it costs you right now. And that's without buying it parts, right? And that's yeah. just the passive kidney stone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Jeez. So, $37 million, that doesn't seem like that much. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, apparently, he could run 60 miles an hour. Okay. He had the strength of a bulldozer. Wow. How strong is a bulldozer? <laughs> I don't know. $6 million man strong. <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting note. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. Oh, great. So my TV show, uh, gosh, several of them. I'm, I'm going to, I'll use one now, I'll use one more later. Okay. So the first one would be the Dukes of Hazard. Friday nights on CBS, we had Bo and Luke Duke. They were cousins, and they had this souped-up stock car called General Lee, which is a 69 Dodge Charger. And they were supposed to be running moonshine. They didn't really talk about the moonshine too much. Never really showed it, right? Not really. Uh, Uncle Jesse apparently was the, the brewmaster or whatever. And uh, the, the whole show was them outrunning Roscoe and Enos, the, the police. And then Boss Hogg was also, he was not the mayor, but he pretty much ran the town. He was the richest guy and so forth. And I remember on Friday nights, that was the show that we watched at home. So it was Dukes of Hazard came on at 8, Incredible Hulk came on at 9, and then Dallas came on at 10. But at this point, I've, I'm checked out like, I don't care, I'm going to go play Atari. <laughs> but those first two shows, I always watched. And it was, you know, I think every kid I knew watched that show. And uh, it just, you know, it ran from... 1979 to 1985, so it was early 79. But, but almost an 80. To me, it yeah. just feels like a 70s show. Because it just, I mean, the, the style, the fashion. Mm, I would have thought it started earlier than 79. I would have too. I, I felt like I was maybe like 10 when it came out, but no, yeah. I was a little older. Yeah. So, yeah. If uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Dukes of Hazard? Well, that's where the phrase Daisy Dukes came from. Oh, yes. So, I mean, a lot of people... We'll refer to Daisy Dukes and not even realize that that, that was a person, that was a character on the show. <laughs> so I always liked, yeah, it was always fun seeing the car jumps and the narration. That was always, uh, 
a neat part of the, the show. Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Well, them new boys didn't know what <laughs> they were in for. Love the show. I was always amazed that uh, the guy that played Bodu uh, was only 18 or 19 years old when he landed that role. He really, really? didn't have a lot of experience. Hmm. I, he, to me, he looks older than that, but he was mm-hmm. actually very young. So which one's that? That was John Schneider. Okay, yes. the blonde. Okay. The singer. Had many hits. Yeah. Many hits. Now yeah. and ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he really did have a lot of country hits. Yes, he did. But he had like two two charting hits in the 80s. Yeah. Great show. Really didn't, you know, push the IQ level too hard. You know, I was able to grasp all their plots pretty easily. Pretty easily, yes. I had a shirt. Someone gave it to me, but uh, you remember Gary? Oh, my, yeah. Gary Green. Best friend growing up. Yeah. His younger sister wanted to get me something for my birthday one year. And, and they said, okay, she's got something that said it's going to make everybody want to, all, all the people chase you or something like that. Okay, what, what could she possibly get me? And I was so excited. Some and it karate? Was a, it was a black shirt with like a like the screen print or whatever on the front of Roscoe holding a bunch of money in his hands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So I wish I still had that shirt. That was That's nice. But yeah, It'd probably it still fit you. Yeah, it probably would. Well, it might be a little bit tight now. But uh, it was, yeah, Roscoe P. Coltrane, I think it was. Yep. Like yes, that. it was. With, with wads of cash in his hand, that goofy like look on his face, like when he was like, his little laugh. <laughs> so. Which you may have also heard in our intro this week. Yeah. Several years ago, we were in uh, Nashville, and uh, right next to the hotel we were staying in is the uh, Dukes of Hazzard Museum. Oh. Oh, wow. Right. It's nice. not very big, to be honest. It's probably about... I would say 1,300 square foot. Wow. You know, just a lot of toys and different things from the show. Did have the General Ely in there? They did not. I think it had the hood. You know, it was a a pretty small place, but, you know, lunchboxes and a variety of toys and action figures. Which, that was like, that's another thing in the 70s. There were so many toys available for these TV shows. Like Dukes of Hazard action figures, generally the Hot Wheels, the... You, you mean you go back to the lunch boxes? Like they did a good job at tying in marketing to all of these shows. Yep. Six million dollar man, probably man that may have had more than any of them. The yeah. action figure, the lunch boxes, the the shirts, the stuff. That's mm-hmm. different era. Different era. All right, you got another one there, Snowball. All right, so uh, one of my favorite shows as a kid. Kind of really didn't. I probably wasn't the typical dem- demographic they were searching for, but I always loved Sanford and Son. <laughs> Red <laughs> Benny Fox. watched Sanford and Son. Did Cracked he? up at it. Yeah. yeah. Love Sanford and Son. Great show. Red Fox, a comedian. His stand-up is not at all like the show. <laughs> Very Not really clean. No. Not at all. Centered around uh, he and his son, Lamont. They were uh, junk dealers. <laughs> Lamont's a 70s Oh, you know? <laughs> and so is... And his friend Rollo. You're not making Rollos running around today. Not a lot. No. What if anybody named their kid Rollo back then? Oh, I should have named my kid Rollo. Rollo Moore. <laughs> they would have never forgiven me for that one. Rollo Lamont Moore, get over here right now. Or name one Rollo and the other one Lamont. That would be awesome. Just, just start calling him that from yeah, now on. Do you think Miss would have let me get away with that one? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's so in love with you. You can get away with anything. Just start calling her Esther. <laughs> Esther. Esther. That'll give you some good time um, on the couch. Yeah. Yeah, well. Um, so they were junk dealers in Watts, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Um, 
You know, the show just kind of one of those that a variety of subjects just kind of there's issues with, you know, the sister-in-law and, um, you know, they're always having money trouble and they're always trying to, you know, get the next big score, you know, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a piece of art, you know, or copper piping and, you know, just a variety of episodes, you know, where they're always just trying to get ahead and they just could never seem to get ahead. And all the time he's feuding with his sister-in-law, his wife had passed away and, you know, that was... Elizabeth. Yeah, poor Elizabeth, yep. Yeah. And he had a very serious heart condition. Yeah. Every episode he had at least one heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is a big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming to meet you, honey. My favorite episode, there's one where he and his friends... Let me see if I can name them. There was Lucky Leroy, mm -hmm. Shady Grady. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, who was now, the... Scatman Scruthers was on there. I can't remember what his character's name was. Yeah. So the... They're going to get hooked up fast Fanny. She and her friends are going to come over and they're going to have a party and have some ripple. <laughs> He's always wanting the ripple, yeah. <laughs> or or pipple, which is champagne and ripple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that's just one of my favorite episodes. And they all get drunk and they all pass out before the ladies even come over that night. So, <laughs> you know, they're just a bunch of old dudes that thought they were going to be able to hang with all the young ladies and, they couldn't. So, yeah, good show, good. funny, you know, not a lot of depth to the subject matter for the not most really. part. It's a show that I don't think would have really worked today because of this and All in the Family and Maud. There's so much racial, not tension, just Undertone. jokes. Yeah. Jokes. Yeah, Undertone a lot of jokes. jokes. Yeah. Now, they were funny. And you watch them today, they're like, they are funny. It's, yeah. You couldn't get by with it today. Yeah. People would think, what? You're a racist. No, it's just, it's funny. Yeah. Mr. Miyagi was uh, one of Lamont's friends. Uh, what was his character's name? I don't remember him being on there. Yeah, he was on there. Uh, that was before Happy Days. Yeah, I don't remember that. I, it's one of those shows where I remember that I watched it. I remember things they would say on there, like, he's going to have, this is the big one, Ethel, things like that. His name was Achu. <laughs> he was a Chinese-American. So. Achu, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really specifically remember an episode. I just I just remember the general theme of the show and then mm -hmm. some of the characters, but I can't really specifically remember something wow. happening in it. Yeah, they had the white police officer. Uh, Who was very square. Yeah, very square. Um, Mr. Sanford, what are you doing? Was it Swanee? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Swanee. <laughs> I forgot about and he him. was trying to learn the... He was trying to be cool. He's always yeah. trying to talk jive. Yeah, yeah. he did. <laughs> and he would always butcher it. And, you know. They kind of made fun of him in front of him without him really realizing they are making fun of him. Well, yes. sometimes. He would uh -huh. make fun of him right to his face. Right. Chico and the Man was another one that mm. was around that same time. Yeah, era. that's true. So, Freddie Prinze Sr. That was another show that I think they might have came on the same night. My dad watched that one, too. I remember seeing that one in reruns. I don't remember watching that one live. Yeah. I, I want to think they were on Friday nights. So, Sanford and Son ran from 72 to 76. I'm not sure if it had anything to do with it, but I know some of the later seasons, uh, Red Fox wasn't on the show. Mm -hmm. um, they had um, Grady come in and live in the house. Now, Grady had his own show for a while. That is true, too. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly, but that Grady character was actually only like in his 30s during that episode. <laughs> he like he was seven. They had like grayed out his hair and everything and <laughs> gave him that big poofy beard. And 
you know, but so yeah, he really wasn't like He always 60s. came across as like kind of lazy and like mm-hmm. trying to trying to scam the system somehow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. But basically it peaked at number 2. Wow. It was on Friday nights from 8 to 8:30. I was right. How many years did it run? From 71 to 77. So, oh, that's a good run. Yeah. At 136 episodes, I think. Sounds reasonable. Something like that. Nice. Kevin. I never liked scary stuff, scary movies, scary TV shows, but for some reason I liked this show. It only lasted for two years. It was called Cold Check, The Night Stalker. Oh, yeah, with uh, Dar- McGavin. Dar- yeah, McGavin. the dad on the Christmas story. The dad on the Christmas yeah. story. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So he was a Chicago newspaper reporter, mm-hmm. and he would investigate mysterious events that happen around the city, and usually they had some kind of like supernatural bend to them. So there, there was one where it's this shapeshifter, and so it would turn itself into something that looked familiar to people, and then when a person got close, he'd grab them and like suck the life out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I saw just, that episode recently. Yeah, just scary. It's like on MeTV on oh, Saturday it? nights or something like yeah, that. It's, yeah, Scary, but he, he was kind of like, you know, it's kind of like his character on The Christmas Story. You know, he's, uh-huh. he's kind of just kind of acting silly. So, you know, you never really felt like he was going to ever be in too much danger. But um, a lot of supernatural stuff. Right? There was one where uh, there was a headless horseman, or, sorry, headless motorcycle uh, rider going around like swinging and hits, lopping people's heads off. And just, <laughs> just scary. Um, but for some reason, I, I liked that show. And it only lasted two years, but... Uh, those are two good years. Oh, it's two good years. <laughs> two scary years. So my last one I wanted to talk about is WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm. I love that show. Just the whole, the, the plot was this easy listening station in Cincinnati, Ohio. Just terrible ratings. Awful. They hire Andy Travis, played by Gary Sandy, to come in and be the program director. Overhaul the station. Change it to a more of a rock format. It's more of like a rock pop format. Well, existing DJ was Johnny Fever. He was played by Howard Hesseman. And then Tim Reed came along as Venus Flytrap. Mm-hmm. So he was a very fly guy. <laughs> so uh, they had uh, those two. Lonnie Anderson was on there. Bailey Quarters. Mm-hmm. She was the um, J- played by Jan Smithers, who I thought was hotter than Lonnie Anderson. It's a big girl next door thing going on. She got more of a girl next door thing. Yeah, she Lonnie, does. she was a yowza, yowza, she was a, vi- she was a vixen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, every week it was based around the characters and the TV or the radio station. And my, my favorite episode, I think most people remember this maybe more than any other, was the turkey drop. Yes. So if you, if you miss that one, Mr. Carlson, the station owner, was kind of feeling detached because the station's doing well, the ratings are up, you know, everything's just kind of going really smooth. But he felt like he didn't really have his thumbprint on it at all so uh there was a, a thanksgiving he wanted to have this big promotion where he would drop these turkeys off of a helicopter and what happened was like you don't actually see the turkeys <laughs> but these turkeys apparently are hitting the ground <laughs> and oh, just no. they're just getting getting destroyed and, and less nesman's out there reporting Oh, that's 
that's that's a great one. When it was all said and done, end of the episode, uh, Mr. Carlson's line was, "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly." <laughs> it was just it was a great show. I never missed it when it was on. I catch reruns of it now. I can sit and watch it and, and like as much as I did back then. So. It's kind of cool that it was like based in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, like which is of... why I watched it. I love the theme song. Very yachty. Very yeah. yacht rock. But they would always show the, the beginning and have Riverfront Stadium mm-hmm. there. Being a big Reds fan, I was like, ah, it's cool. Yeah. It's like they're right down the, you know. Yeah. Just a couple of here. Yeah, it ran from 1978 to 1982. Uh, 90 episodes. It's still remembered as good TV show. So looking back, people will look at that and go, oh, that was a, you know, a good show. It was... It was um, Were there any spinoffs? They had one called The New WKRP, which didn't do anything. I think it may have lasted a year or less. There are a lot of TV shows in the 70s. Yeah, there's a lot of great shows I've got I, I, jotted down that probably at least deserve a mention. Yeah, let's mention some I, of them. I feel like you can't mention 70 shows without mentioning All in the Family. Yes. Oh, you, you're right. Um, and all the shows that spun off of that. Yeah, when, the when you were talking about Sanford and Son and, and the things they could get away with, All in the Family, I mean, today, <laughs> really tackled some topics that were ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Archie, clearly a racist. Right? I mean, yeah. There was no, oh, yeah. Whether he realized it or not. Yeah. Yeah. It, he would say he was set in his ways. We look at him and say, no, he's a racist. Yes, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Clear. And then, as luck would have it, he ends up with uh, his, his daughter marrying someone who's a liberal as far of a different direction on his beliefs. As far left as he is as, right. Yeah. And uh, and then you had his dingbat wife in the middle of it. And it's just, it, oh, they, they really covered some interesting topics i wish that was on now and i, could, uh, I think and, it is on pluto tv is it okay yeah, yeah, i'd you really like to runs. go back and watch most episodes yeah i've gone to youtube just to show my boys i'm like this is the kind of stuff they would show on network television in the 1970s and they're yes. like, you gotta be kidding me like no this was the norm well the, yeah. the funny thing was everyone archie bunkers this big racist so later on Carol O'Connor was in Heat of the Night, yes. where he played a police officer who was actually down south, mm-hmm. and you know he was more more fighting for you know racial. I, I think rights. he goes down there and sees the injustices that are happening, and yeah. he tries to yeah to right that. So, so how funny would it be if Archie Bunker's character went down to be a police officer? Oh, down oh, and his uh, number on deputy was George Jefferson. <laughs> oh my. That that see that would be a whole sitcom. So speaking of spinoffs, All in the Family, of course. Yep. Maud. Not a big fan of Maud. Uh, I wasn't either. Archie Bunker's Place. Yes. yes. Came up, the Jeffersons. Jeffersons. Love the Jeffersons. Yeah. That that was plenty of juice out of that show. But mm-hmm. all of those shows, basically, Maud was more of a liberal. Like yeah. she was very liberal, women's mm-hmm. lib kind of thing. Jefferson, George Jefferson, was as much of a racist as Archie Bunker was. He was like the yin and yes. the yang there. Mm-hmm. So, or yin, yang. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're not picky. He was... Uh, kind of another groundbreaking show in the 70s we didn't mention was the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For a show to really center around 
a career-minded single female. Mm -hmm. You know, there were no shows at that time that kind of. I mean, Hazel doesn't count. (laughs) Hazel. Hazel was was a a she was a maid. (laughs) Career-minded in the fifties. So that is true. No, but no, great show. Uh, Great cast. Also, uh, some spinoffs there. Phyllis, Rhoda, yes, the Lou Grant true. show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah we saw show. her statue when we went to Minneapolis a few years back. Really? Was to go to ZMT. There's a statue hat. in the corner where she's throwing her hat up in the air. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it's on the way to the Twins Stadium. So, yeah. That was, yeah, that was a good show. Who was, who was the Ed Asner? Ed Asner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was on uh, Cobra Kai. Yes, he was. Yeah, it was. Before he passed away. Mm-hmm. Did he pass away? He did. Yeah, he okay. did. About a year or two ago. Three's Company. Great show. Big 70s show. Uh, so, did you prefer... <laughs> I'm sorry. No, interrupting no, you. No, I jumped right into it. I know you're going. Did you prefer The Ropers or Mr. Furley? Well, I was thinking Janet or Chrissy. Well, <laughs> I'll take Chrissy, please. <laughs> I prefer... That, I don't think that was debatable. I, I think I preferred The Ropers. Yeah. Just because I think the show was fresher mm-hmm. back then. Mr. Furley was great. I love Don Knotts, but... but I, the Roper. Yeah, the, the woman that was... She was in on it. She understood what was going on. Yeah. And the, the husband that was like... Completely against gay people, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing was, Helen Roper was very sexually charged and mm-hmm. always kind of in the mood. Yeah. And Stanley was Not. never about what <laughs> he would fake like he was asleep. My so. biggest memories of the show are when the opening theme song would kick on. Mom be like, it's time for bed. Mm. <laughs> like, I remember like, like, oh, like Chrissy it. laying out there and like the water comes over. She flips over and like, oh wow. That's where the TV got turned off. Yeah. I the bed. As a 88, 9 year old. <laughs> I don't know why wow. they didn't want me to stay. I know. Yeah, that makes no sense. Another good one back then was Taxi. Yeah, great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Taxi. In, in fact, I think I might like it now more than I did back then. Just, you know, a lot of Judd Hirsch was on there, Danny DeVito, um, Tony Danza. Mm-hmm. Like they all got their, I think they all got their starts here. You can fact check me if you wanted to. Yeah, what's the uh, Mary Lou Henner? Yeah, yeah the guy from, and also the yeah, uh, guy Andy from Greece. And Jeff Conaway. Jeff Conaway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah that, nice. that cast was amazing. That was a very good cast. And they played off of each other so well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Judd Hirsch was like the only one that was kind of sane and sort of normal. It's like, what is he doing driving a taxi? Because he actually seems like yeah. nothing against our taxi driving listeners. But, you know, he seemed like he was... Most taxi drivers now kind of own their own cabs and stuff. These guys all work for this company. And they were mainly flunkies, but he was not. Yeah, the one guy's trying to become an actor, right? One yeah. guy's a, a boxer. boxer off and on, you know. And, and uh, then I think... Well, Jim. You had Reverend Jim, too. Oh, Christopher awesome. Lloyd. He was awesome on there. Wow. He kind of burnt out from a... You know, a, a bad drugs from uh, college days where he like had his act together and he took a hit of something and never quite the same. Kind of like Taco on the league. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what's one thing all of these shows we talked about tonight have in common from the seventies? <laughs> that is one of them. Good Very answer. good. Okay. Was there um, another one? <laughs> yes. All of them have great opening theme songs. Oh yes. 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 You know, right. today you just you don't have that. They put some effort into I mean, it. Shamil Shmazel. Lots of I mean, a lot of yeah, a lot of these songs were on the charts in the seventies. They were that good that they could actually, yeah. The Odd Couple had a great theme. Yes, it did. I love that. Yeah, that's Felix and Oscar, Jack Klugman, Tony Randall was a good one. Um, 
Mork and Mindy, we kind of talked about a little bit mm-hmm. as being a spinoff, but that was a great show in its own right. Chips. Who didn't like chips? John Punch. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Fantasy and Island. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Yeah, um, I was a little young for Fantasy Island. But the one I remember is a Saturday. people would go there and they would have a chance to like fulfill their fantasy. And this one guy was that he wanted to be able to be a pitcher, like in the majors. <laughs> and, he, and, the, and the reason Like I a guy that throws a ball, not a photograph. Yes. Right? Okay. He, he, so he like would throw it and it would like have this incredible spin to it or curve to it. And these major leaguers were on that episode, and it was like striking them out. I okay. said that was so cool, but that—that's one of the few that I can remember. But it was kind of like this, yeah. It, it, it probably was a little bit before your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show that was on right before it, yeah, what was it? the Love Boat. The oh. Love Boat. Now that is seventy schmaltz if oh, there is ever. Absolutely. Oh my goodness! So on Pluto, there's a Love Boat channel, so they play Love Boat episodes <laughs> around twenty-four hours yeah. a day, seven days a week. In the '80s, we saw that like. Every day, like it was, it was on during the afternoon or whatever. Yeah, so CBS. Yeah. I know a lot of guest stars, but Charo, Charo was on, on there. Yes. Um, Heather no Locklear, I remember Heather Locklear being on there. Okay, Barbie Benson. Yeah. Oh yeah, was on there. She, anybody that's anybody in the seventies was on the Love Boat, whether they were current stars at that time or they were washed up. Most of them are washed up people. Did Ted McGinnis also join that cast? Ted McGinley? Ted McGinley, yes. I believe did he, he did. Right. <laughs> right. I think he he killed that one. Let's go, right. let's go through the death Ted let's McGinley. Let, let, let's look at Ted McGinley and his contribution to <laughs> television or the ending of television series. Happy Days. Yeah. Fantasy Island. Oh my. The Love Boat. Yes, he was. The <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> He's three for three. <laughs> Hotel. Okay. Dynasty. Oh, wow. Married with Children. That I know he came in at the end <laughs> oh, yeah, of Married yeah. with Children so, also. So That's right. He, was he didn't ruin just one show. He ruined multiple shows. That's your fault, Ted. Thank you for being a pop culture icon. You are. You were great man. in Revenge of the Nerds. If you yes, were you name. were. Yeah, that was his, that was his <laughs> they claim. They would say, this show's ran its course, but... People are still tuning in. Let's get Ted McGinley. <laughs> Let's <laughs> who did we crash? Good-looking guy, charismatic, <laughs> who kind of looked like Monroe from Too Close to for Comfort. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, like, I, you never see him in the same room together. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kung Fu. Speaking of slow motion, at the lunchbox. <clears throat> did you really? He yes. was Robert. Yes. Robert Carradine. Robert Carradine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I I didn't quite understand it. I. I I did. I didn't get the premise of that enough to watch. Maybe it's too serious for me. I, I was more into the stuff, except for. Culture. I like the whole kung fu idea. The show itself was a little slow for a kid. Yeah, but I had the cool lunchbox. You know, a lot of kids had that. Oh yeah. Well, then they had the series of '70s cop shows like Charlie's Angels. Yep. Police Woman. Adam Twelve. Adam Twelve. Mm-hmm. Kojak, yeah, police yeah. story. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Kids, if you ever get called Kojak, it's because you're bald. Yeah. That's right. Or you're eating a lollipop, <laughs> or both, or yes. both. So you mentioned SWAT. That was one. Mm-hmm. Beretta, Starsky yeah. and Hutch. Yeah, man, that was a bunch. We used to watch Starsky and Hutch. That um, was a... what's the fifty-one? Um... Emergency. Emergency. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was another one I liked. Yeah. I think that and Adam Twelve may have been on the same night. I think so. they were, and yeah. they were back to back. That was very early seventies. Hawaii Five O was another one. I mm-hmm. loved it as a kid. When I was a young kid, 
my mom, my dad would work second shift, and I don't remember, maybe Tuesday night. Hawaii Five O was on. I was allowed to stay up to watch it. Now, it came on at like 10 o'clock. Ooh. So I was probably out like five minutes after the theme. <laughs> but that's a late night. I would put on my blue suit and watch Wife Five O. That's you can fact check that with my mother. She'll tell you. Go put that suit on. I was ready for it. Borrow one of Matt Moore's shirts and there you go. ready <laughs> to be on there. That's right. Rockford Files. Yes. Oh, I love that. Another good theme song. Yeah. The rookies. Remember that one? No. It's kind of around the same time SWAT was out. Okay, I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a good one. Uh, McCloud, Dennis Weaver was. Uh, here's some sci-fi shit. I, I just googled these here. Uh, Space 1999, Logan's Run. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Of course, we we mentioned uh, Six Million Dollar Man, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. We did not mention Wonder Woman. Well, we will next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we're going to be talking about heartthrobs. So if you Google heartthrobs, they're all men. Really? I've never yes. really Googled so heart 70s heartthrobs is before. referred to as the guy. Babes was the 70s. So 70s babes female. is what we're going to be talking yes. about. So. We're going to have to talk about the guys, too. The ones that are known. Well, that'll be here. So. Matt, yeah. Well, of course, taco meat will be here with yes. a big 70s chest wig that he wears. <laughs> too funny. But... We didn't even scratch the surface of 70s TVs. Oh. We didn't scratch the surface of the 70s either. So we got four more weeks of this. Yeah, we didn't even mention MASH, right? That was huge. Oh my so. gosh. How can we forget MASH? Yeah. MASH oh, was so huge. Yeah. huge. Yeah. Most, series most finale? viewed yeah. series finale ever was MASH. Saturday Night Live. How could we not mm-hmm. mention SNL? Like, it's still going today. I would say going strong, but still it's going not. Yes. It's, it's going. It's still going. <laughs> it's still going today. So. When did that jump the shark? Oh, gosh. I think maybe I held on for a long time with that one. I think probably for me when like the Andy Samberg group was phasing out to me is when it, because yeah. I could still watch it through all the eras. I mean, you know, they look at the golden era of Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Chevy Chase, and those guys. And then you move on to the Eddie Murphy group. And then got the, the to me, one of the best eras was like Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Kevin Nealon. Did I say Chris Farley already? Rob Schneider. Those guys were, were great. But man, now it's almost unwatchable. Sometimes I'll, yeah. I'll catch a skit that's kind of funny, if, but if not like it was. If there's someone on there that's like, oh, this is, you know, I, every once in a while they'll have a, a guest on and say, I'm going to watch this. And it, sometimes they have a guest on and the writing's good. Sometimes I have a guest on the rain's not good, and you know a guest can't save it if, if no. the skits are and, no good. And to me, one of the most overrated cast members in SNL history is Pete Davidson. Oh he is goodness. not even funny. I agree. And he gets all these women. I feel like there's some inside joke. Yeah, you know, it's like everybody. It's like okay, I want to act like you know. I, I just can't believe these people are really like, interested in him. Like David Spade would get women too. <laughs> Two shows we completely did not mention. How can you mention the seventies without mentioning the Brady Bunch and the Partridge Family? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my, those are two of the biggest shows. Like even today, when you look at seventies pop culture, Brady Bunch is probably the one. The fashion, yeah. the just the astroturf backyard, the yeah. parents, Alice, the. The zany housekeeper. And the butcher. The, the sound. Sam the butcher. Yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack. Oh, God. <laughs> when they decided they needed to become a variety. The silver show. platters. Yes. Yes. Man. The Brady Bunch is on. It's on MeTV a lot. It's like on a Sunday afternoon. Paramount the whole Plus day. right now. Is it really? Yeah, the whole, yeah. So 
because I've been watching Family Ties, but Brady Bunch is on there now. Too. Okay. I've, I've seen it pop up. Yeah, Partridge Family, I didn't see it a lot, but I, I saw some of it, and it was, you know, them traveling on that wild-looking bus. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my wife is wanting to chime into the show. Okay, bring she, it. She uh, wants to know if any of us recall an after-school special called The Strange But Wonderful Cosmic Awareness of Duffy Moon. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a phrase, you can do it, Duffy Moon, or something like that. <laughs> wow, the, look at you. The yeah. only after-school special I remember was there was a kid that was developmentally challenged. His name was like Huey or something like that. Kevin. And Matt. he was trying to fit in, and everyone was kind of mean to him. And uh, I think at the end, the kid falls down and breaks his arm or gets trapped or something. And Huey, you know, with this superhuman strength, lifts it up and saves him. Huey gets to be the first one to sign his cast or whatever. I, I, I kind of remember that, but I can't remember. I, I, I want to say was. Boy in the Plastic Bubble was an after-school special, too. I can't remember if that was. I don't was, think it was. was, was, a, no, was I, it? I feel that like was that was a prime-time you know, prime okay. movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, we didn't mention after-school after school specials. Those yeah. were... Sort of, I don't know, know if we're going to cover that. If we're talking more evening-type prime-time shows or if we were talking after-school stuff. you know. Like, I don't know how much you can talk about after-school specials. I just did. We covered it. Scott Bale on a lot of them. That's all. Maybe Willie Ames could have been on yeah, a few. Yeah, they're yeah. probably in the eighties. Eight is so. enough as another eighties show or seventies show. Yeah. It was pretty big. Man, we could we could probably go on and on. Yeah, Gilligan's Island. Good times. Huge. We didn't mention Good Times. Yeah. Another spinoff of All mm -hmm. the Family. Hello, lucky person. You got the number right because you are talking to kid a dynamite. And I just Googled Duffy Moon, and yes, that phrase is, you can do it, Duffy Moon. Wow. How did I remember that? Good memory. Yeah. Ch childhood memory. I've got this this chip in my brain that kind of recalls things sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I wish I could recall interesting things. <laughs> these are interesting things. <laughs> to to, to See, who? Anything else we could add? There's probably a ton we could add. We'll, we'll no, get but I'm anxious recording. to kind of dig into the 70s a little more over the next few weeks. Um, but I'll be anxious to get back to the 80s. Yeah, me Very too. Soon. So uh, that's it for now. Since we failed to mention them earlier, here is, well, gosh, here's the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries. Oh, oh we yeah. can go on and on. So since we forgot to mention the Partridge Family earlier, talking about 70s themes, here's a Partridge Family theme sung by one David Cassidy. Like it? Love it. Love it. All right. Which Guys, thank you for joining us for Living in the 70s. It was a blast. It's a groovy blast in time. See you next week. Take care. God bless. Hello world, here's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. You big dummy!